Today from Chuck Swindoll on Insight for Living. Regardless of gender, when we are spirit-filled, we model the life of Christ. When that's true, three things emerge. Dignity, equality, and unity. That means my wife is as worthy as I in every way. That means my son and I are on an equal plane before God, and that's the way Christ conducted his life. You have to wonder if the Apostle Paul had any idea he'd be stirring up controversy in this generation when he spoke rather directly about marital roles. And today on Insight for Living, we come to that oft-misunderstood section of Scripture in Ephesians chapter 5, as Chuck Swindoll presents another message in the series called Becoming a People of Grace. If you missed any portion of his introduction last time, we'll begin with a few minutes of helpful review and highlights. After the sermon, we'll explain how to get a complete copy. Here's Chuck Swindoll to continue the message about the most challenging of all relationships. These are the most challenging of all relationships on earth. Husband-wife, parent-child, employer-employee. Challenging. Full of, uh, full of the possibility of conflict and full of emotions. So these are, these are charged with, uh, with difficulty. Let me give you a couple or three statements. Can I do that as I have thought about these verses? The entire section sits in an important context. The entire section, 22, chapter 5, verse 22 through 6, verse 9, sits in a, in a very important context. You know what the context is? It's the filling of the Spirit. Do you notice 18, 19, and 20 in chapter uh, uh, 5, and including verse 21, is all one sentence? There's no period till the end of verse 21. It starts at verse 18, it runs on, 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 to the very end on the subject of submission. It begins with, be filled with the Spirit. It's a command. It describes what happens when you are filled. You speak to one another in songs and, and you worship with one another. You are grateful for what is occurring, and you are submissive to one another. It closes in verse 21. That's the context. Now, that leads me to my second statement. All the relationships depend on the same concept, submission. All of the relationships depend on that context. Verse 21, be subject to one another. Wives, submission to their husbands and to his God-given role as their leader, their head. Husbands must apply submission in their love for honoring and supporting their wives and treating them with enormous respect. Children must understand submission or there will be a breakdown in obedience. We obey because we submit. 
We don't submit, we don't obey. Every teenager, every child, everyone still living at home under the roof of parents needs to know what the verses in verses 1 to 3 are saying. Fathers, verse 4, need to know and apply submission or they will provoke their children to anger. Fathers, we are given to uh, demands and to perfectionism and to a critical spirit, and we expect more of our children than we should, more often than not. And it takes the filling of the spirit, which brings about a submissive spirit that teaches us how to, how to lead them uh, graciously, firmly, yes, but graciously, humbly. Uh, People who work for others, verse 5, are obedient to their bosses because they have a submissive spirit. Third statement, the truth of this section of scripture has been missed and misapplied. Religious fanatics and fools have caused immense harm using this section of scripture to teach an unbalanced position on submission and dominance. Domination is never, never spirit-filled leadership. It's sinful. It's overbearing. It is exacting and unfair abuse. That's not what the scripture teaches. Whoever teaches that twists the passage to make it say that. So let me urge you to do two very difficult things aside from concentrate, which I always expect you to do. I'm going to ask you to do two things. I'm going to ask you to think biblically instead of culturally. I'm going to ask you to reason theologically instead of humanistically. Okay? Some of you are saying, what? I'm going to ask you to think biblically. Before you... uh, Let your culture tell you where to stand. Stay right here in the text so that you are riveted to the word of God rather than your times. You will be forever relevant, but I tell you ahead of time, you will be terribly out of step and misunderstood. Face it. That's why Jesus said to his followers, the world will hate you. The world will hate you. Be careful when all people say only good about you. All that means is you're swimming with the stream. You've lost your salt and light. So I'm asking you to think biblically, and I'm asking you please to reason from God's vantage point than man's vantage point. This is one of the few places you're free to do that. You always have your mind where you can do it internally where you must do it at times, but but this is one of the few places in public where you'll be surrounded by people who want to do that too. And I'm telling you, it is hard work. It's getting harder. And so with all of that as a backdrop, I want you to turn to to Ephesians chapter 5 and look with me at verse 21, which is the concept in the context that is so pervasive. Be subject to one another 
in the fear of Christ. Be submissive to one another out of respect for Christ. Let me give you a statement that I want you never to forget. The spirit-filled believer is a submissive person. Don't tell me about your temperament, please. Don't tell me about your scars. Don't go there, please. Don't, don't bring up a situation that, no, no, let's not go there. Remember, biblically, theologically. The spirit-filled believer is a submissive person. See the word be subject to, those words? They come from one Greek word, hupotasso. Sounds like hupotassel. H-U-P-O-T-A-S-S-O. Used in the New Testament to mean arranging in rank under. To arrange in rank under is to hupotasso. Let me apply it militarily. If I am a lieutenant, I am in a subservient role to a captain. If I am a lieutenant JG in the Navy, I am in a subservient role to a captain. If I am a captain, I am in subservient role. I am hupotasso to the admiral. If I am a corporal, I am hupotasso with the staff sergeant. Got it? These are roles. And out of respect for the rank, I salute. I submit. Please look at the generality of verse 21. Be subject to one another. Not talking about male, female. Not talking about uh, wife, husband. Not talking about children, parent. Not talking about employee, employer. To one another. The spirit-filled believer, verse 18, is a submissive person. What does that mean? It means with one another in the rank of Christianity, in the family of God, we are not competing with each other. We are not out to get our own way. We do not pull rank on other people or seek a place of importance. As men, we do not dominate over women. As women, we do not dominate men. As teenagers, we are not impudent in our behavior, but respectful of our moms and dads. We, we, we cooperate. We are, we are not determined to put them in their place. We are willing to hear and to talk it through and in a submissive spirit to hear them out. We are not overbearing fathers or mothers who treat our children unfairly or embarrass them, or fail to honor them, just as we know that they will not fail to honor us. As employees, we are submissive to our employers, and as employers, we have hearts of submission around those who are in our company. Got it? I'm trying to make it so clear nobody can get out from under it and say, but if you knew where I... Don't go there. The spirit-filled believer is a submissive follower of Jesus. Just as Jesus, in coming to this earth, as very God, submitted himself to the cross. Philippians 2 says, don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to think, but 
or that's Romans 12, don't think more highly than you ought to think, verse 3, but to think soberly, seriously, realistically. Regardless of gender, when we are spirit-filled, we model the life of Christ. When that's true, three things emerge. Dignity, equality, and unity. Put them down. Dignity, equality, unity. In Christ's eyes, there is no man or woman, child or parent, as far as worth is concerned. In roles, there are all of the above. But in person, there is dignity, equality, unity. Think biblically, not culturally. Think reason theologically, not humanistically. That means my wife is as worthy as I in every way. She and I are absolute equals before God. That means my son and I are on an equal plane before God with an eternal soul. That means that young man is deserving of dignity, my dignity and respect, and I am of his because I am in the same family. And that's the way Christ conducted his life. Are you ready for verse 22? Before you read it, remember there is nothing inferior about the role of submission. It's Christ-like. Wives, hupotasso to your own husbands as to the Lord has nothing to do with inferiority. has everything to do with dignity and equality and unity. In God's order, as he put together a plan for this earth... He has arranged certain roles to be in authority over other roles without for a moment taking away the dignity or worth of the individual. Those roles must be sustained or there is anarchy, confusion, unhappiness, and a breakdown of the spiritual order. Now, let me say something else here. Equality of worth is not identity of role. You may be as worthy as your husband, and you are, but it doesn't mean you have the role of head. He does. Husbands, you may be as worthy as your wife in God's eyes, but it does not mean that your authority is to be tyrannical, which is the second subject I want to mention. Neither is authority a synonym for tyranny. If you are abusive of your wife, it is not right, it is sinful. If you are unfair in your leadership, it is not Christ-like, it is sinful. If you take unfair advantage of your children and expect of them something that God would not expect, that is unfair and it is wrong and it is sinful. It is not authority. The wife who understands God's plan get this, willingly places herself out of respect for Christ under the authority of her husband. And she does so confident that God will honor that. Now, when I say that, uh, I can read some of your minds. 
Some of you are rushing to an extreme situation where some husband demanded of his wife, and it might have been you, something that was not only displeasing to you, but disobedient to your Lord. Stop. Stop. Don't go there. Because John R.W. Stott says this better than I, I want to make something very clear here. And I quote from his book on Ephesians. We have to be very careful not to overstate this biblical teaching on authority. It does not mean that the authority of husbands, parents, and masters is unlimited. Or that wives, children, and workers are required to give unconditional obedience. No, the submission required is to God's authority delegated to human beings. If, therefore, and this is extremely important, if, therefore, they misuse their God-given authority by commanding what God forbids or forbidding what God commands, then our duty is no longer conscientiously to submit, but conscientiously to refuse to do so. For to submit in such circumstances would be to disobey God. The principle is clear. We must submit right up to the point where obedience to human authority would involve disobedience to God. At that point, civil disobedience becomes our Christian duty. In order to submit to God, we have to refuse to submit to human beings. As Peter put it to the Sanhedrin in Acts 5.29, we must obey God rather than men. This is the exception, however. The general rule on which the New Testament insists is humble submission to God-given authority. Now, the key in all of this, ladies, is in the end of verse 22. Look there. Wives, hupotasso, your own husbands, as to the Lord. This is the manner of your submissive spirit. This has everything to do with attitude. If you will, this is a duty which you owe to the Lord out of respect for him. When my Lord gives me instructions as a pastor to do certain things in my life, it may not come naturally and it may rake on my nature and it may not be easy, but out of respect for him, I do what he says. Some chauvinists have misinterpreted this ending and said, Wives, you are to treat your husbands as you treat your Lord. Wait. Wouldn't that be idolatry? Isn't that what Moses meant when he said, Through God's leading there should be no other gods before you? My wife is not to worship me. I assure you she doesn't. My, my, my wife does not sit in reverence of me and pray to me. She does that only with her Lord. I would be most uncomfortable being in a role like that. That's not what as to the Lord means. It means out of respect for your Lord, you fall in rank under the authority that he has established for the home. You model that so that your sons and daughters will learn from the model what that is about. Let me tell you a story. When I was a little boy, I forget how old I was, my mother and father had apparently had an argument. I never heard them argue in front of me, but I, I knew that they must have had an argument 
because I knew what my mother looked like when she was really ticked off. She happened to be ironing. And boy, was she ironing. And I remember sitting there on a sofa, kind of aggravating her, and, uh, which was common. And, uh, and she said, just, just don't talk to me right now. She said, if, 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 if I had my own way, I'd just leave your daddy. Uh, I remember that put a chill down my back. And, uh, and then she looked at me and she said, I, I'm, I'm sorry, Charles. She said, uh, I, I'm, to, I, I'm to honor your, your father. And we've had a disagreement and I don't agree, but I know he's right. But right now, I don't like him very much. I thought, that, that's a great thing to hear. And I've been there a thousand times with my partner and she with me. Almost ruined our marriage for the first 10 years. As I took to an extreme this role of authority. I never forget when she said to me in our kitchen in New England, she said, I want you never ever to say again publicly that we are partners. Because we are not. You're in a, you're in a world I, I don't even know. And I am just a thing to you. I, I said, uh, that's not true. Yes, it is. No, it isn't. Yes, it is. She won. And I finished doing the dishes that night. She went up to the bedroom. I'll never forget this. And I, I opened the door and I walked in. I sat on the foot of the bed. She's just crying her eyes out. And she said, uh, I made a vow and I won't break my vow. But you are overbearing. And I can hardly stand to live with you. She was right. And it began a journey that took about four years for us to hammer out. And I'll tell you, it was really tough. Really tough. We're together because the two of us said, you know, we made a vow. And obviously what we're doing right now isn't working. It isn't right. And, and you know what I found out when I understood my role and fulfilled it? I, I never had a problem with her fulfilling hers. Ever, 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 ever. It's amazing. You're listening to Insight for Living and a message from Chuck Swindoll about the most challenging of all relationships. Today's sermon comes from the series called Becoming a People of Grace. Now, you've only heard one small portion of a much larger series. Today's sermon on marriage is actually part of Chuck's verse-by-verse study through the New Testament book of Ephesians. There are 26 sermons in the comprehensive set, and you can purchase the CDs or download the audio files. It's called Becoming a People of Grace. Go online to insight.org or give us a call at 1-800-772-8888. Again, today's sermon comes from the series called Becoming a People of Grace. Thank you for giving faithfully to this listener-supported ministry. We have no other means for covering costs other than the voluntary gifts from loyal friends like you. And when you give, you're making it possible to share sermons like the one you heard today on marriage to men and women all over the world. You can send your donation to Insight for Living, Box 269,000, 
Plano, Texas, 75026. Or if it's easier, just give us a phone call right now at 1-800-772-8888. We've prepared a number of other resources for you to help you deal with a number of pressing issues related to marriage and the family. Just go online to insight.org slash marriage. Chuck Swindoll's discussion about the most challenging of all relationships continues next time on Insight for Living.